0: Welcome to The Walloway. I'm here with a special guest, attorney Jamal Suleiman from LosKalinasLaw.com. Mr. Suleiman, how are you?
1: Doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for uh, joining the show. And real quick, I know that you are an attorney and you specialize in contracts and business organizational law. Could you just quickly tell us a little bit about your firm and where we can find out more information about you?
1: Yeah, sure. It's uh and I It's uh me and, and two of my two of my good friends and partners decided to start this firm up. Then uh, between three and four years ago, and we all have different specialties, different backgrounds. My specialty is, is my background was in business, organization, civil. Uh, I started off doing uh, contracts and, and civil litigation, and then transitioned into estate planning and real estate and all the things that come with that. Um, one of my partners' his background is entirely uh, immigration, and he does some family. And then I have another one who does personal injury and family as well. So it's, we, we try to cover as much as we can. I speak a lot of different languages and a lot of different areas of law and just try to serve the community in a way that, that we think is the best way to do it. So uh, we're, we're really enjoying ourselves. It's been a fun ride so far.
0: Oh, great. Well, before we go into the meat of the podcast, can you just tell us about why you decided to pursue law and then why this subset of law? Why why the things that you mentioned?
1: Well, I, I originally decided to go in and become an attorney when I was pretty young, actually. I think I was like 10 years old. And it was about the time when I realized that I probably wasn't going to be an astronaut because I didn't <laughs> be too much math and have perfect vision. And so uh, you know, I wasn't really great for either one of those, but, um, and, and I thought I'd be good at it. And I was always fascinated with the blend of, of, of history and and analysis and, and critical thinking that goes with it. And, and I thought that it was something our community needed more of. Uh, everybody goes into medicine, which is, which is great, but I thought it was something that we could really use more of. And, and, you know, it wasn't really a, a noble thing. I just thought I'd be good at it and enjoyed it. And, you know, it's, it's been great so far, and I, I, I love what I
0: do. I'm so happy you brought up community because what prompted me to create this podcast was one thing that I've noticed when people come from the same community or when people are very familiar with each other is they tend to shy away from using structures that will protect them. For example, uh, say you and I are really good friends and we want to go into a business venture together. I've seen that in the community, people won't use contracts. Have you noticed the same thing?
1: Yeah, it, it seems as if people from it, and you see this in all kind of minority communities and, and, and everyone who comes from a different background, as I said, I and all my partners all come from different backgrounds and, and everyone consistently says that when you're doing business with your own, it's almost as if there's this taboo on doing things with a structured contract in place or doing things in a way that you would do things with everyone else outside of your community. It's almost as if that's, that's offensive or that's insulting or it's, oh, that's not what we do. That's what they do. It's, it's an us and it's an other thing. And it it ends up, uh, and I'm, as I'm sure, you know, it, it ends up leading to problems.
0: Well, I mean, so can you, can you elaborate? Like, what have you noticed without going into details? I've noticed, and I've observed some of the problems that rise from approaching it with such a mindset but what are some of the dangers or possible dangers of not using uh, a contract or not using any measure of legal agreement
1: well yeah, you know in, in in minority communities and in our communities and and even subsets of, of non-minority communities for example you know i'm from the south and people say this in the south is we rely on handshake agreements so you know I mean, it's, an, it's an honest handshake agreement and we do these kinds of things and, and the majority of the disputes I see from estranged business partners or, or joint ventures who start falling apart is not that one side is trying or intending to maliciously steal or or do something dishonest to the other party. It's just the result of the two not sitting down and, and clearly communicating their expectations and ideas and responsibilities on what was, what was going to happen in this joint venture or whatever type of Agreement they decide to embark on. And what ends up happening is inevitably one side with that wiggle room thought, oh, I was getting this or I was expecting you to do this. And there's not something to refer back to. And even beyond that, our memories are imperfect, right? So there might have been a discussion that somebody forgets. And if you don't have that clear legal language there, legally seems confusing. It seems sometimes hard to understand. Just like any industry term that I'm not involved in would be hard for me to understand, but they are complicated or they seem complicated. We choose those words for a reason. They have clear meanings, and it's very important when we're going into business with one another that we have a clear understanding of our goals, our expectations of one another, what we expect to get out of the business, what we expect to put into the business, and, and really just what we expect when the time comes that we're going to wind things up, how are we going to divide this up? Whatever's left and how are we going to deal with problems and who's responsible? And so it's very important that we clearly communicate these things. We have a clear understanding and we have a clear record because the record is a substitute or a, a backing for imperfect memories.
0: I'm so happy. You said that these things usually don't happen because one side is malicious, right? It happens because there's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of, um, clarity. So I know you, you, you went over it right now, but could you just, again, briefly summarize what is the purpose of a contract in any type of startup, any type for any type of entrepreneur or any type of official relationship? What purpose does a contract serve?
1: Sure. A, a contract is, is going to lay out the... Really, we're free under, under law to contract to do almost anything. And we go into a joint venture, we start a business, What that contract is gonna do is it's gonna discuss, first of all, what the business is gonna be, what we're gonna call it, where we're gonna place it, where we are going to receive notice, who's gonna get the mail, which is very important because who's gonna be served with lawsuits, who's gonna be our registered agent or how are we gonna determine who our registered agent is? How are we going to divide responsibilities? How are we going to vote or come to decisions that are one-off decisions, that are not in the typical course of business. How are we going to do decisions that exceed a certain dollar threshold? It's very important that we figure this out. How are we going to amend our agreement, right? That's very important too. And there's always that balance of, of do we want this agreement to be too easy to amend where it's it's not stable enough and every time somebody new buys in, um, it's just gonna be easily changed or do we want it to be a lot stronger, make a higher percentage of voting required to amend it. It's, that agreement is going to govern how we interact with one another as business partners, how we govern our business, how we interact with the business as individuals. For example, we start a company together, ABC Incorporated. How are you and I going to act as partners and shareholders of ABC Inc. and how is each one of us going to interact with ABC Inc. in all ways? Uh, what we're entitled to receive, what we're required to do, what we're required to contribute, how, what, how we get kicked out or how we kick one another out if we you know, deviate far enough from our responsibilities. Mm. How do we sell off assets? How do we gain assets? How do we bring in new shareholders? All these things are, are really important to lay out, and they might not be something that individuals think about when they're coming together to, to form a new business venture. They just have a great idea and passion and spark and something that's going to do great things and change the world or, or, you know, bring in some good revenue, whatever the case may be. And these other issues are just kind of boring to think about, or they're not fun or they're not exciting. So it's very important to do the not exciting things and build that foundation before you start actually bringing in revenue and start making moves.
0: It's, it's, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because someone put it in a way, which I really appreciate. They said it's like prevention versus cure. And in this case Prevention is doing all the legwork before you enter into an agreement or before you start your business, and then the cure is you've made a mistake and now you have to find an attorney to fix your problems. But the smarter thing would be to have an attorney who can help you with the formation of your business, who can help you uh, figure out what's the best way to write contracts. And without going into specifics and mentioning a specific name, you see a lot of companies now that offer online legal services where they give you templates for contracts and they even give you some minor legal advice. Um, Could you briefly without obviously going into specifics could you go into the pros and cons of such services because we had a phone call a couple weeks ago and you touched upon some very very interesting points.
1: Sure yeah it's with these the the, the obvious pro is that they're cheap that that they don't cost as much as, as an attorney that's that's nice if you don't have a lot of means there and you just need something to get you through the the idea is that if that's rather than go to an attorney or or spend the money it takes to do that we can pay a nominal fee and download this this template uh, off a website and the website is going to obviously be slathered with disclaimers all over that we are not your attorney none of this is legal advice you can't come after us you know we do have They'll advertise that they have licensed attorneys working for them and developing these templates, but they're not going to count this as legal advice. They're similar to what we do in our business. We do limited engagements where we are very careful to carve out what we're doing if somebody doesn't want to fully engage with an attorney and, and make that financial commitment. The problems that arise are, and the analogy that we often discuss is imagine if you were able to go on WebMD type in your symptoms, get a diagnosis, and print out a prescription right there. That mm-hmm. is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And and the reality is that I'm not qualified to go on WebMD and really read my symptoms and know what I need. And similarly, you might not understand some of that legalese there as a layperson, that what it does, and you might not really know what it is that you need based on your situation. And we see that often with a lot of these different legal documents that people Kind of think of it as afterthoughts or think that it carries out a minor function that's all they need specifically with organize, organizing your, your company there can be certain tax implications involved with what you what you choose to do and most importantly there are liability issues which is why we create entities in the first place is to shield ourselves from the liability that could arise from our actions with that business we want that business to be isolated to do business and function as an individual person and keep it away from our, our personal uh, our personal assets. You know, we want to protect our family's assets and our personal worth and contribute what we contribute to make that commitment to our business, be able to carry on business without having to worry about it coming back to our personal lives. So the, the issue with these online templates is you're self-diagnosing, you're using and oftentimes misusing paperwork and specific documents that really don't, do what you need them to do, and as you said, with the with the uh, preventative medicine versus the cure, a cure is way way more expensive. Litigation is insanely expensive. It's it gets real problematic and it gets drawn out. And and comparatively, the preventative measures of simply consulting with an attorney and a CPA if you have you know specific tax issues and I often do refer, refer some of my clients to help from CPA consult with them if they're moving around a lot of assets. And that, that that financial commitment that you take there is much lower than what might happen if things fall apart. Or if you get end up find yourself getting sued because you're not properly observing the formalities that you've clicked and spit out on your template. And you open yourself up to personal liability under what we call veil piercing, which means you pierce through that corporate veil, you reach the individuals.
0: Wow, okay, so you, you just said a lot and I'm trying to process it. <laughs> but for yep. for us entrepreneurs like myself and like some of my listeners and for other people who are in the startup phase, I mean, it seems pretty clear, right? It's, it seems like, look, just start on the right foot, invest the money in the beginning, spend the money in the beginning, maybe even get an attorney on, on retainer and just do things right from the beginning because like you said, the cure is going to be substantially more money than what it would have cost you to, uh, in t- or to utilize the preventive measure. So, in regards to those the who cure, want to, s- s- go ahead.
1: saying uh, you know, the cure costs you money and and animosity and loses friendships and I've seen it break up families. So, yeah, the cure is the cure is brutal. So so
0: so then sim- simplify it first because now you brought up some good points and you know I, I can speak from personal experience, and I've seen this happen to others. But when you try to go into a relationship with a, a close friend and associate and a family member and you don't utilize the means that are available there to protect both sides, both sides wind up losing. So if I'm in the startup phase and I find someone, for example, say you, I want to u- utilize, say you were not a lawyer and I want to utilize uh, whatever you do uh, in my business. What are, what are the most simplest steps that I can take? uh from uh to, to to protect myself and protect the other person. So for example, some people throw out the term NDA. If you have something that you want to discuss with the person that is possibly money making, have them sign an NDA. What what do you recommend yeah. as the first steps?
1: Yeah, if you've got a proprietary idea then an NDA non disclosure agreement is something where we require confidentiality and, and we we lay out under what terms we're going to reveal certain ideas that we have or certain things that we might not have reached the patent phase yet on, or maybe we need capital for that patent phase or something, something proprietary the NDA is always useful. Number one, the most important thing that I always, in the startup phase, try to really hammer home to individuals is make sure that you fully understand who's doing what. And, and, and we need to translate this into writing. Who is doing what? Who, what are we expecting from each person? What monetary contributions are going to be put into this company? Lay that out right away at the very beginning and the schedule upon which those contributions are going to be made. If you gonna make an all one-time capital contribution at the inception of your business, or if you have capital commitments that you're going to make ongoing, make sure that's clear. Make sure those dates are clear. The manner in which those payments are going to be made are clear because that's what people fight about it. Oh, you promised you're going to put this in and, Don't start doing business until we've met every step. Put those benchmarks in place and clearly iron out what it is that we're going to do before we step forward, make our agreements. You know, you and I would go speak to an attorney and say, this is what we're doing. Most of these attorneys will have, and I do this, I have a pretty detailed questionnaire where I say, okay, well, we're going to start. This is my information, gathering learning tools, so that I understand what it is you really want. What's going to be the best structure for you? LLC, S corp, those are kind of really similar these days. Um, you know, are you going to look to be publicly traded at some point? You know, maybe you want to look at a C corp or whatever the case may be. We need to understand and, and clearly communicate. It's the attorney's job to ask the right questions to get you where you need to go. Shouldn't you know? Most of the individuals in our profession are not going to just leave you to tell us what we need to hear because we know that. If I'm doing something in somebody else's business, I'm not going to know the right questions to ask. And similarly, it's my job or any attorney's job to ask those proper questions and figure out how we need to set up. But most importantly, lay out contributions and responsibilities and how we're going to distribute profits. Be very clear on that.
0: Is, is this so. document, is this called the operating agreement?
1: Uh, it depends on the, the entity. If we're an LLC, we call it a company agreement. And these are all. And the caveat I'll say is that these are state state specific. So depending on your jurisdiction, the terminology might be different. But most places, this is kind of the what they're called is, is for an LLC, it'd be a company agreement. For a corporation, it'd be your bylaws. So if you have an S corp, one of those closely held corporations, which in Texas is uh, 100 or less shareholders, a lot of family businesses choose either that or the LLC. That's the most the most popular structures now. And so if you have an LLC, it's a company agreement. If you have a corporation, it's a bylaws, have a partnership, it's a partnership agreement. Or you might just have a joint venture agreement where you're going in on one specific venture and you're not actually starting an entity. So so,
0: so I know we started off by talking about, you know, um, partnerships and like, you know, so if you have a company and you want to work with someone externally, but kind of, you know, you have now you're bringing up these agreements that you have internally. So, in regards to people that work within your company or your whether they're your family your friends or employees, how important is it for preventative medicine let's just use that terminology to clearly define everybody's role? I know this is I know this may sound like a very silly question <laughs> but
1: yeah I mean I, I understand what you're what you're going for is, is we want to really emphasize, the need to be clear on what everyone is doing, what their responsibilities are. And so we're creating, once we've created the company, which is the company agreement of the bylaws is what dictates how the company interacts with its members or shareholders and how those shareholders interact with one another in the company. But we also have situations where we're making contracts with people to function as executives or employees or just contractors to do work for that company. And oftentimes we give those those responsibilities to people we know, family members sometimes and and friends. So make contracts and those are, they depend on what type of situation and what type of relationship you're going to form there from business standpoint. So those are contractual. Everything you do is contractual. Uh, We, we form contracts every day without knowing it. Anytime there's an offer and an acceptance and then I do something in exchange for you doing something, we're, you know at the basis level entering into some form of verbal agreement and that's a contract and so there are certain things that we need to recognize in all types of these communities here that that's not a bad word if i want to put something on paper and have you sign it it's not an insult it's something that we are both doing to protect ourselves and protect our relationship with one another
0: Mm. I think, I think that's a that's an excellent way of putting it. And I think what I would like to see definitely from the community and the various communities is to realize just what you said, that this is not something that is being done to insult you. It's actually being done to protect you, right? And to protect me or the other individual. So what do you think can change the mindset of the community other than the disease, other than falling into the mistake and then being sued or having to go to court uh, what do you think could work to changing them and re- making them realize that these things are done as a safeguard and are necessary?
1: I think the short answer is what we're doing right now, and that's having conversations and, and try to just educate those around us and just have these discussions so that people understand that the contract is not a negative thing. It it means that I respect you enough as a professional to treat you as a professional. It's I care about you enough and I care about our relationship enough to take this step that's not the easiest way to make sure that our relationship is preserved, that that you can't, that you don't fall into a situation where a misunderstanding can cost us a friendship and a business. Mm. And so it, it's to, to to speak about it in those terms, it's I care enough to do this. I respect you enough to do this. Not I don't trust you so We're going to have to write something down here because you might welch on this. And, you know, that seems to be the prevailing opinion in in minority communities when working with one another is, oh, you're you're trying to treat me like an outsider. This is how we treat outsiders. Mm -hmm. So changing the conversation to I care about you enough to take this step and prevent these negative things from happening. And to make sure that we are we prosper together in whatever we're setting out to do, I think that's that's important, and that's really the the, the only way that we're going to start changing minds is, is just have conversations. And you'd be surprised how many people just have that one conversation. That's all it takes. And I never saw it that way. So,
0: I, I think that's a great that's a great way of putting it because what I was thinking as I was uh, driving around earlier was. I'm I'm only engaging in this relationship with you because I do see a benefit in it and I do trust you, right? I, otherwise if I'm if I'm having you sign the contract because I don't trust you, I have to I have to reconsider why I'm even engaging in such a relationship. So I think the first step is people realizing that it's not an insult, it's not m- being done to demean them. It's not being done because there's a lack of trust. It's being done because you want to make official and further the relationship. So in closing Going into your memory bank and from your experiences and the services you've provided, what are some final tips or advice that you have for people like myself, for aspiring entrepreneurs, and people who are really setting off to start their businesses?
1: Sure. The, the number one: be proactive. Um, get out there and and really take the steps you need to take. Gather information, soak it up, do your research. I do suggest speaking to an attorney and a lot of attorneys as you are starting out for different types of businesses, there are, you know, free consultations involved where you can sit down and just kind of have a conversation on what we want to do with, with my clients for, for business. We, we you know, I, I do offer a free initial consultation. And what you're often able to do is just sit down and talk and say, this is what I want. I want a clear idea of what it's going to cost me and what I should do, how do I protect myself, what are the pitfalls. So talk, gain information, have the conversation we talked about where on the very front end of, as we're about to step into this business venture together, say that we're going to do everything the best way possible to preserve our relationship and and treat, treat one another as professionals. And we need to get off on the right foot. And we're going to put together these sophisticated agreements that, safeguard all these things that we talked about. And so that's very important. It's just the number one tip is be proactive. Make sure that you, and this is something we really get to, but make sure that you observe the formalities involved with whatever entity you choose. Mm. And, and that's very important. When you have an LLC or, or an S corp or some family business, and you've created this entity to shield yourself, don't, Go co-mingling your funds. Don't pull money out of your LLC's account to pay your car note for that month. Don't do things like that that are going to open yourself up to... That LLC gets into some some kind of business dispute or you get sued. Companies get sued. It happens. It's part of life. But make sure that you're not doing things that are going to take away that protection that you'll have that that entity provides you from liability. And so make sure you observe all the formalities that you've laid out in your contract. So execute that contract and then behave as that contract tells you to behave and follow it to the letter, even if it seems tedious.
0: So no self-sabotage basically, like what you just said about the, using the LLC money to pay your car note. Do you see that happening a lot? Do people double dip?
1: I do with, with these family businesses and, and and I'll tell you this as, as somebody who let's say I'm on the other side, if somebody comes in and they have a dispute with this company, and this guy has been using an LLC to, you know, he's, he's not providing the services he wanted to provide it. Well, that LLC actually has no assets. It's just an empty shell. So you could sue it, but it's just a bankrupt LLC. So what do we have to do? We have to reach that guy, right? Mm. How do we reach that guy? The first thing we do is I'm going to name him in the lawsuit and I'm going to say he's an alter ego of that LLC. Wow. So the first thing I'm going to do in discovery is say, prove to me that you're observing your corporate formalities in this LLC. I want records. I want your books. I want your meeting minutes. And if he has nothing, then he's not going to get out of that lawsuit so easily. Because if I win a judgment, let's say I win a $100,000 judgment against an LLC that has no assets, what I've won is a judgment that says that LLC owes me $100,000. That's all I've got, a piece of paper. Mm. But if I've got it against a person, well, that's going to make him move around a little more. Right? That's going to make him squirm. And so on the other side, if I'm, you know, if I'm playing defense here, I want a client that when they come to me say, "Hey, my LLC's been sued. We had this problem. This contract couldn't fulfill it." I'm gonna say, "Please tell me you've been following your company agreement." Well, first, please tell me you have a company agreement. Mm. You didn't just go online and do a, you know, do the little secretary of state uh, filing it and create it, or let your accountant do it, and never create an agreement. So, but just show me all your records. Show me proof that you're 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 abiding by those rules to protect yourself.
0: Wow. So listeners, while away listeners, listen up. I mean, it's pretty clear. There are many advantages to opening an LLC. It's also a layer of protection. But when you do it, you got to do it the right way and make sure you utilize a proper service. Utilize an attorney, a CPA if you need it, and do things the right way to protect yourselves and to protect your business ventures and your ideas. So Attorney Jamal, one more time, I want to say I, I, I'm, I'm interested in uh, opening an LLC or I need help formulating a contract or I need help just getting started, where can we find you? I know you mentioned it in the beginning. Where can we find you? How do we get in touch?
1: Sure. Uh, I can, my website is, is lascolinaslaw.com, L-A-S-C-O-L-I-N-A-S, law, dot wcom It can also be found at sar uh, or you can, uh, you can always email me, uh, my first name is Jamal at lascolinaslaw.com. Uh, so, you know, please, please do look me up and I'm happy to speak with anybody who, who's looking to embark on that, that stage and, and really go through on a business venture and do it the right way.
0: And and you're fine with consultations. I mean, you, you know, you're more than happy answering questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do answer questions in, in consultations about how we would, and, and we can't do, legal advice pre-engagement, but we can at least point you in the right direction and say, this is how we would help you. Or this is what we would suggest your next steps to be as far as either engaging an attorney or maybe you come in and you're completely unprepared and you just have a bad idea that's going to get you sued. <laughs> i say, well, you know, maybe take a step back, figure this out. There, there is a clear